Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Today, our church around the world celebrates the great feast of the Holy Family. The Holy Family really is a religious icon for all Christian families to emulate and imitate. The Holy Family that consists of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph is a family that nurtures and cultivates an environment of love, respect, and trust amongst each other. Fortunately enough, the scripture readings that the church give us for this great feast really speak to us of biblical family values. Now, what we have to understand is when the Bible speaks of family values, it does it in not so sentimental terms. It doesn't necessarily give you a warm and fuzzy feeling. In fact, the Bible's attitude towards family values are blunt and even to the point. And the first reading is a great example of this. We hear from the very beginning of the book of the prophet Samuel. Here we have Hannah, the future mother of the prophet Samuel. Hannah is going up to the temple year after year after year to pray, even beg God, so that she may conceive and bear a child. Hannah, unfortunately, is barren. She's not able to conceive. And so she continues to pray and even beg God that God may bless her with a child. Now, today, in our own day and age, if a couple had problems conceiving a child, this would be a source of great psychological anxiety as well as suffering. But in the ancient world, it was even worse. In the ancient world, a woman was expected to get married and to bear children. And see, that was part of the woman's identity, was that she had to be a mother. And see, if women in the ancient world weren't able to conceive and bear children, it was as if part of their identity was taken from them. That's why this is so agonizing for Hannah, because she can't conceive. And so, she continues to go to the temple, pray and beg God that God may bless her with a child. In praying in the temple, she's wrought with anxiety. And there's one point in time in the story that a priest, Eli, comes and sees how overwrought she is with anxiety. And he thinks she's drunk. Listen now. As Hannah remained long at prayer before the Lord, Eli the priest watched her mouth. For Hannah was praying silently, even though her lips were moving. Her voice could not be heard. Eli Thinking her drunk, said to her, How long will you make a drunken show of yourself? Sober up from your wine. Now, can you imagine this? Can you imagine a priest in our own day and age saying this to someone that's praying in the church? How insensitive this person is. Yet, as a testimony to her strength of faith, Hannah stands up to this priest, and she says to him, Isn't it that, my Lord, Hannah answered, that I am unhappy woman? I have not either wine nor drink, 
I was only pouring out my troubles to the Lord. Hannah essentially is telling the priest Evi about her problems. And yet, this priest does not deter Hannah from continually praying to God. Finally, out of fit of sheer desperation, Hannah says to God, Lord, give me a child, and I will give that child back to you. And it happens. It says, In those days Hannah conceived, and at the end of her term bore a son, whom she called Samuel, since she had asked the Lord for him. Samuel in Hebrew means to ask the Lord. Now, Hannah is blessed by God. She's able to conceive and bear a child, Samuel. And yet she knows, she knows the agreement or the terms of it. She now has to give this child back to God. Now imagine how emotionally painful this is. Hannah, for years and years, has begged God, prayed to him to give her a child. And he has. And yet now she must give this child away. And she does just that. It says, Once Samuel was weaned, Hannah brought him up with her and presented him at the temple of the Lord in Shiloh. Hannah essentially agrees to the terms that she made with God, and she presents her child to God. Now, the priest in the temple care for Samuel. They bring him up, and eventually Samuel becomes one of the greatest prophets in all of the history of Israel. Now, this is a great testament to Hannah's faith as well as her courage. Now, stay with this story and go now into the gospel. In the gospel, we hear that classic story of Jesus being lost in the temple. Now, you say to yourself, well, how can this be? Mary and Joseph, they know that this child is special, is a gift from God. So you would think that Mary and Joseph would always have their eye on Jesus. Well, that's not necessarily the case. But we have to understand the circumstances surrounding this event. First, Luke tells us that Mary and Joseph are traveling in a caravan. In the ancient world, traveling was very, very dangerous. If you traveled by yourself on the pathways or the roads, or even just with a few people, you were taking your life into your own hands. On those roads or pathways were thieves, murderers, marauders, killers, just waiting for you. And so, it was important for you to always travel with a large group. There's safety in numbers. So Mary and Joseph are doing just that. Second of all, it was an ancient Jewish custom. For when a son was born, the mother would raise that son from birth until puberty. She would be the primary parent of raising that child. And yet, from puberty onward, then the father would take over and he would rear that child. And, more importantly, he would teach that child a trade, primarily the trade of the father. In this case, for Joseph and Jesus, it would be carpentry. And so, while traveling in this caravan, Joseph doesn't see Jesus near him, and so he just assumes that Mary is still taking care of him. Mary doesn't see Jesus, and so she naturally assumes that now Joseph has determined that it's time for Jesus to be reared by Joseph. And so therein lies the confusion. And so Luke tells us in great detail 
that for three days, Mary and Joseph looked for Jesus. Now we can only imagine how distraught they were as parents. Parents in our own day and age, if they lose a child for even three minutes, they're overcome with anxiety. And yet, Mary and Joseph searched for Jesus for three days and three nights. They can only imagine the very worst. Finally, they find Jesus in the temple. And Mary confronts Jesus and she says, Son, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been looking for you with great anxiety. And how does Jesus respond? He says to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Now, when we hear that answer by Jesus, you know, as parents, we feel a little uneasy with that. But that's where we have to essentially apply the first reading with this gospel. Both the first reading, the story of Hannah, as well as this gospel story, stir up parents' emotions. And those emotions are real. Furthermore, these two stories together teach us a biblical family value. And that is, one, one of the primary purposes of a family is to nurture and cultivate an environment for the vocation of all the members of the family so that all the members of that family are able to live out their vocation. Go back to these readings. Both Samuel and Jesus, they belong to God. They belong to God in order to do God's work. And see, both of the mothers understood that and they saw it. Both Hannah as well as Mary had the good grace to let them go. To let them go and do God's work. And see, that's exactly the biblical family value that is being taught to us this weekend on the Feast of the Holy Family. That's the beauty of the scriptures for this weekend. That the primary purpose, or one, one of the primary purposes of a family is to nurture and foster an environment by which all the members of the family are able to live out their vocations. Take, for example, the Holy Family as the living icon for us all. Joseph. Joseph's vocation was to be a husband to Mary, a stepfather to Jesus, as well as a servant of God. Mary. Her vocation was to be a wife to Joseph, a mother to Jesus, and a servant of God. Jesus. His vocation was to be a son to Mary, a stepson to Joseph, and the Son of God. You see, in the nucleus of that holy family, it fostered a loving and caring environment such that all three persons were able to live out their vocations. And therefore, so must we. We must look at the holy family as a living icon for us all, one that we must all try and imitate ourselves and look to the Bible and try and live out to the best of our abilities this basic biblical family value. Within all of our families, we must always strive and be working towards creating an environment that fosters a loving and caring environment such that every member of that family is able to live out their vocation to the best of their abilities.
and see when that happens, then we become a living reflection of the Holy Family ourselves. And may the peace and the grace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.